this is Dr. Shannon M. Clark with A Doctor Delivers Podcast, and today I am discussing Botox, fillers, skincare, and more in trying to conceive pregnancy and postpartum with Dr. Elise Meekum, a plastic surgeon. Have a listen. Okay, so I'm uh, Elise Meekum, Dr. Meekum. I'm a plastic surgeon. Uh, I trained in Texas. I do a combination of cosmetic plastic surgery and reconstructive plastic surgery. Uh, and I am a microsurgeon, which is kind of a term for a complex reconstructive specialist. So I do all kinds of things. I currently live in Utah and uh, spent seven years in Texas and I am a twin mom, which is how mm -hmm. I met Shannon. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, also one of the fun folks that got to have the uh, geriatric pregnancy term <laughs> on her, her diagnosis sheet while she was pregnant. So a yeah. um, little bit of experience on both ends of the spectrum, both as a young pregnant mom and a geriatric yeah. pregnancy. So yeah. Well, thank you so stuff. much. Thank you so much for doing this. I get questions all the time and I was like, why not go to the expert? So we can just kind of <laughs> hammer it out. And I have a bunch of questions here we're going to go for about 40 minutes 45 minutes or so uh, and then okay. start answering questions there as they come up um okay. okay you ready i'm ready okay you look amazing by the way thank you <laughs> <laughs> okay we're gonna just go get it right now botox 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 first botox in pregnancy botox in breastfeeding what do i need yes. to know so so Botox has been around since the early 1970s. It was originally um, approved for uh, certain therapeutic uses and eventually became approved for cosmetic surgery in the 1980s. So just treatments of different types of cosmetic issues. Um, since then, there have been a lot of different types of things on the market. That includes uh, products like Dysport by Galderma and all of them serve similar purposes but work in different situations. Um, one of the things about Botox in pregnancy or Dysport in pregnancy or any of those other terms, the neurotoxins, uh, is that they are not FDA approved for use during both pregnancy and breastfeeding. Uh, the, they're considered to be pretty safe and we believe they stay mostly where we place them. However, there is a risk for spread. Mm -hmm. And if you're thinking about, you know, uh, weakening muscles and things like that, which is the job of these particular products, then you want to make sure that you're avoiding any additional risks during pregnancy. So yeah. the long and the short of the matter is no Botox, no Dysport, none of those newer neurotoxins during your pregnancy. So uh, these other neurotoxins other than Botox, what are the other neurotoxins? Or are they different versions of Botox? Or the botulinum um, toxin, if you would? They have different. So Botox has a specific weight, a specific um, mm. molecular structure. These are very similar. So they're all derivatives of a neurotoxin. What is a neurotoxin? A neurotoxin binds to the junction between a nerve and the muscle cell and it paralyzes it. So it makes it so that it doesn't continue to send signals and the muscle quits firing. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, it's great for paralyzing muscles. It helps to decrease fine lines and wrinkles. Um, some people believe it actually helps with preventing aging in fine lines, uh, but it is specifically the same type of neurotoxin that you would find in botulism. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there are risks. We are very controlled, very specific. Dysport is a cousin to this. It's one that's mm -hmm. a little bit of a lighter molecule. And so you get a little bit more coverage. Um, and there are other types too, but they all fall within a cousin to the neurotoxin, uh, including the botulinum toxin family. Okay. So the recommendation is no Botox uh, during pregnancy, which I agree with, obviously no Botox <laughs> and breastfeeding. And, you know, I, I, 
you know, of course it wasn't studied in pregnancy. I, of course. I mean, nothing ever is and, and hardly ever in breastfeeding right. either. However, but because of that, what, what Dr. Meekham just described to you, how it works, what it is, um, you don't want to take that risk. And it's going to be hard to ever get those studies if we're not recommended it to begin with. But you have to also consider why these studies might be done. It's because it's elective right? The only way we might end up getting studies if, we're, if there's people that have chronic migraines that are, are having using Botox and may have it in pregnancy for whatever reason, but that's going to take a long time too to get that kind of data. So uh, you have to understand, I don't know that we'll get that data anytime soon because I don't see that study ever being done um, because, <laughs> because Botox is elective. So uh, we're just going to have to deal with what we got. And that means no, no in pregnancy, no in breastfeeding. Now, what about trying to conceive? Now, you have somebody who gets Botox and they happen to fall pregnant spontaneously and they weren't planning it. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. Now, it happens yeah. and, you know, it's, it, but if you're planning and you're actively trying to conceive, we're going to, through fertility treatments with the purpose of conceiving, should they be getting Botox in, in, that, in that period? You know, it's discouraged. No. Um, it, you know, if you have recently had Botox or fillers and then you find out you're pregnant, Really, we think that you're safe. We don't think there are going to be any risks to you or harms to the fetus or the baby, that your pregnancy will continue normally. Um, but if you are trying to conceive, that is the time to sit down and really look at your, your regimen and say, yeah. what should I be avoiding? And talk to your doctor about what you should continue and what you should not. If you just happen to get pregnant after you've recently been treated with these things, don't panic. Yeah. Uh, most of the time you'll be just fine, but you do want to be aware that these things carry unknown risks. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I guess it, it, as long as you're, if you know, you're actively trying you know, exactly what Dr. Meekham said, you need to go through what you're doing on a daily basis and decide what you're going to weed out. Um, because you don't want to look back and blame that, you know, we are so bad at beating ourselves up and you don't want to say, well, I shouldn't have done it. And this is what caused it. Cause I know we do that. It's our natural, uh, way to, to handle if something doesn't go right or if we miscarry and we don't want to do that. So just avoid it if you can. But like she said, if you happen to get it and then you find out you're pregnant and you weren't planning it, it just happened. Uh, it is what it is. Just know that it's probably going to be okay. Just let your OBGYN know or whoever's taking care of you, um, that you recently had some of this done just, just in case they needed to ask you any additional questions. All right, let's talk about fillers. Fillers in, oh, let's just go through the, the life cycle. Fillers trying to <laughs> conceive, actively trying to conceive, meaning that we're, for the purposes of the discussion, we're going to leave out if you happen to fall pregnant because you can't do anything about that. You know, if you, if you, it was, it uh, wasn't planned and it happened, you can't do anything. We're going to talk about if you're actively trying to conceive, planning on uh, reproductive uh, or uh, fertility treatments during pregnancy and then during breastfeeding. F uh, uh, fillers, what we need to know. Okay. So fillers, same thing, not FDA approved, not recommended by the American College of Obstetric and Gynecology or the American Society of Plastic Surgery. Just avoid them. Um, they are a substance that is naturally made in your body. The majority of them are. They're hyaluronic acid, uh, and they are there to restore volume. They can really help with contouring. They restore some of the look of hydration and elasticity. But if you're actively trying to conceive, again, these are things that we want to avoid. A lot of them come mixed with lidocaine. Um, a lot of plastic surgery offices will mix them with uh, lidocaine and saline as well during injection. And those are things that are not approved for the first trimester of pregnancy. And so the long and the short of the matter is, Again, please avoid anything that's being injected into your body that is not approved by your gynecologist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and think about it too. Putting fillers in during pregnancy, your face shape changes anyway. And, <laughs> you know, that might not be the best time to do it. 
because you know you need to be at your natural baseline, right? I'm not a plastic surgeon. I, I do this, but I would think that you would need to be at your baseline shape of your face and where you're at at your you know your baseline weight. And a lot of that changes in pregnancy. So why would you want to go get fillers? Because you don't know what's going to happen once you you know deliver, right? So that kind of makes yeah. sense. And also in the postpartum period as well, right? Yes. So the thing about fillers. Number one, when you're pregnant, uh, your blood volumes increase, you have yes. increased estrogen circulating, your face swells. So yeah. if you go and you have fillers put in, they actually draw fluid or um, they're hydrophilic. They draw water towards them. And okay. so if you inject them and then you increase your swelling, you may look more voluptuous than you wanted to when you started <laughs> out. So in that, for that reason alone, I would discourage it. For, just forget the fact that these are things that we're putting into our bodies. We're trying to neutralize or minimize any unknowns during pregnancy, especially when you've been trying to conceive for a long time and that's yeah, a yeah. really wanted pregnancy. Just be on the safe side and completely avoid them. And again, they're also elective too. So if it's not necessary for a medical reason, it's best to just stay away. And then also in pregnancy, your blood volume increases. You do have a tendency to increase your flushing and you might get more bleeding with the injection sites and all. It's just all the way around, there's multiple reasons to avoid it, and I'm on the exact same page as Dr. Meekum. So, uh, also with trying to conceive. Now, someone had put up there, what's the proper time to stop Botox fillers before trying to conceive? There's no, not going to be an answer to that. There's not. I mean, I, I mean, for me, if I was an obstetrician, I would say at least three months, but that's just me guessing what I know about how Botox works. But do you have any information on that? Or, I mean, is there any kind of, there's no data on that, right? Right. So Botox on average, uh, any neurotoxin lasts for about three months. The reason for that is it binds permanently to those receptors, those receptors, those on the ends of the nerves of the muscles, they break down and your body turns them over in about three to four months. Mm -hmm. So if you're talking about a time frame where you no longer want that toxin in your body at all, then three months is a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Once it's bound, it's really not as much of a risk for it to spread to other parts of the body. Uh, but if you're just wanting to completely avoid it, three months is great. Fillers last anywhere from six months to two years on mm -hmm. average. And so, again, we believe that those are mostly safe, even if they're in your body before you're trying to conceive, um, just because your body produces hyaluronic acid. But as far as getting them, I would avoid injecting anything untoward at least a month before, just mm -hmm. as a, a guess. Yeah. And in the setting of you're saying three months, that would probably be a very good recommendation. Yeah, it's a good rule of thumb. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's talk about, okay, breast implants. So, uh, you know, let's talk about breast implants. Obviously, I don't believe anybody's going to get them during pregnancy. That would not be wise. <laughs> so we're going to leave that out. Pre, you know, you, uh, I had breast implants in 2008. Um, I had them under my incisions are underneath the, my breast and they went mm -hmm. under the muscle. Is there any concern? Sorry, with, I got a hair. With any type of <laughs> breast implants and breastfeeding, is there any type of breast implant that might impair affect breastfeeding? So there's not a type of breast implant that will affect breastfeeding. They're thought to be very safe. Okay. Um, you should be able to breastfeed without any risk to the infant. Now there are ways that you can place an implant that might affect your ability right. to breastfeed. So if you can go under the muscle if you're making an incision on the bottom of the breast. Even if you go under the gland and you make the incision on the bottom of the breast, should not impair the connection of those ducts to your nipple, which is what you need to get the milk from your breast to the baby. If you go in an incision that's around the nipple, you can cut those ducts that mm -hmm. are connected to the glands in the breast. That may impair your ability to breastfeed. That's not 100%. So if you've had that type of augmentation, don't panic. 
just go ahead and go through pregnancy. And when you're ready, give breastfeeding a try. It may be that you wind up needing to supplement. Those things are okay. I'm a strong believer in fed is best. I've had five kids and I've done all kinds of things. Um, but implants are safe during the time that you're pregnant and breastfeeding. Not, obviously not having them placed as you have mentioned, but if you've had them before, you're still safe to go ahead and try breastfeeding. When in the postpartum period, um, if someone is, has lost the shape of their breasts or is wanting to have a lift and or breast implants, when would be the optimal time first? And then also, should you ever do it if you're still planning on having more kids? Does that make sense? So, yeah, absolutely. So in the postpartum period, I tell patients that, you know, your body will rebound. So you have to give yourself a little bit of time and grace. Um, all of our bodies change with pregnancy and all of them rebound to an extent. So if you're thinking that you want to have breast implants or even a lift done, I would give yourself six months after you have finished breastfeeding. Breastfeeding, yeah. So if you are um, breastfeeding for two years, then you want to be at least six months out from that two-year period. And that's for multiple factors. One, the skin will rebound a little bit, usually retract a little bit when you're done breastfeeding. And we want to have everything right where it's going to be before we start surgery. That's how you get the best cosmetic outcome. And then beyond that, it, when you're producing milk, your, your glands are not sterile. You're at risk for infection. The breast shape will change. All of those things are good reasons to be done with that process completely before we do any surgery to your breasts. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good. That's what, that's what I would say too. Okay. <laughs> so this is a question I get all the time. Hey doc, you're doing my C-section. Can I get a tummy tuck? Can you take out some extra fat? Can you take out whatever? Well, first of all, no, I can't because you don't want me to do that <laughs> ever. But would I ever call in my colleague, Dr. Meekum and say, Hey, you know, Dr. Meekum, I have this patient. She's having her C-section. She wants a tummy tuck. What say you? What say you? So, so I'll tell you, I have patients come into my office all the time who say, hey, my OBGYN, I asked them to take out some extra skin. They did. Now I'm all uneven. Or they'll just say, hey, I've had three C-sections. And every time my OBGYN closes me up, this part of my belly hangs more than another and it's uneven. The reality is when we're pregnant, our bodies do not stretch equally. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but we have weaknesses in different parts of our bodies that are different from side to side. So when you're having skin taken out after a surgery, you, they take out what looks even as you heal. It's not even anymore. Yep. And so it doesn't matter what kind of job your OBGYN does. They're all doing a good job. The reality is your body is still going to heal differently than it was pre-pregnancy. Yep. Mm -hmm. So again, you do not want anybody doing anything cosmetic to your body until you're at least six months out. Mm -hmm. And then I would highly recommend that even a little bit longer, up to a year, give your body a chance to recover. And yeah. not only that, but replenish your nutrients. So you decrease your risk of complications and problems with wound healing after an elective surgery. Would that go for liposuction too? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yep. And, and I think what people don't understand is, is, is just like she said, when we go in to do C-sections, uh, we can, with the best intentions and, and even not so much with the first C-section, but maybe the, the subsequent ones, or if you've gained more weight which, in, in this, the, this pregnancy than the previous pregnancies, sometimes it's very difficult to even get the skin, the, the skin edges equal and even so as, as much time as we can spend just because everything is a little bit uneven there. And, you know, we try our best to get you put back together the way you want to be, but you have to understand that, you know, when you gain weight in pregnancy, a lot of times we gain it right there uh, where the C-section scar is or right above it. You get a shelf. Yep. You get all kinds of weird, funky things. And a lot of times you want to blame it on the surgeon. And I'm not saying that doesn't ever happen, but a lot of times it's just the way either you healed, where you gained your weight, 
having multiple C-sections, that all plays a role in, in, in healing. So you definitely don't want anybody coming in and doing anything cosmetically in, in that time period. You need, like Dr. Meekham said, give your body time to heal. Now, the other thing is, should you ever get a tummy tuck if you're planning on having more kids? So if you know that you're having more kids, my answer is no. Your mm-hmm. best cosmetic outcome will be if you when you're done. are done having children. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. We're taking out extra skin and tightening up those muscles. It makes subsequent pregnancies really uncomfortable because yeah. you just don't stretch the same yeah. way. And it kind of, it runs the risk of kind of destroying all of that cosmetic change that we made yeah. with your tummy tuck. That being said, it is possible to still have a pregnancy that's yeah. safe yeah. And, and you can carry to term after a C-section. Just know that your cosmetic outcome is going to be changed. So what I've seen, and I've delivered several patients who have had tummy tucks. What ultimately happens, and these, this is my experience, and you can add if you've seen them after, you know, as well. Uh, someone has had a tummy tuck, they get pregnant. Um, the skin laxity is not there. So what our, our bodies do with the, with the growing uterus, it wants to grow out right? It doesn't want to grow in because there's not as much room in. Well, if you have had that skin tighten so much and there's not as much room to go out, grow out, it gets really uncomfortable because there's not as much expansion that's available because there's not a, as much skin there because it's been tightened with a tummy tuck. And I've had patients that have beautiful, perfect tummy tucks and they can be not always destroyed, but they can be changed with pregnancy because it's got to give somewhere. Okay. And not only that, if they've had a tummy tuck, and I've seen this has happened with people who've had multiple C-sections, right? And they get that C-section scar and they're left with a tummy tuck scar. But the tummy tuck scars are typically a lot lower than where we would do a C-section. You're still going to end up with another C-section scar. I can't, I can't use the same scar. A lot of people will ask me, I'm like, no, you can't, it's too low. And it's not the type of incision that we need to make. So I'm still going to have to make another C-section scar. It's called a fan and still skin incision. So, you know, you have to consider that too. Now I know unplanned pregnancies happen after tummy tucks. It is what it is, but ideally if you, it's better to wait, like Dr. Meekham said, until you're done with your childbearing before having those kind of procedures done. Right. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Get, okay. Keep your money. You're investing a lot of money. Make yeah. it work for you. Yeah, make it last. Make it last. Yes. I mean, these, these yes. procedures are not cheap. The recovery is not good, and you don't want to ruin it um, if you can avoid it. Okay. Now we're going to get into facials. Okay. Let's talk about different types of facials. What are the different type? Just run down in, in anybody. What are the different types of facials? So there are a lot of different types. You can get just normal skin cleaning, steaming. Um, you can have an esthetician clear out your pores. Those things are okay. The, the, the concern becomes when you're entering into facials that use a lot of different chemicals. And then above facials, then you're talking about chemical peels, mm-hmm. microdermabrasion, and even beyond that, you have your energy treatments, including lasers, um, uh, where, where does, frequency skin tightening. Where does microneedling fall? So uh, microneedling is kind of in between a facial and a peel, and okay. it's still not something that I would necessarily recommend okay. during so a pregnancy. At, so at what types of facials would you stop in pregnancy? Like Anything what? that's, yeah, just cleaning, pores, cleansing, uh, facial massage, all of those things, perfectly acceptable. Uh, you need to make sure that whoever is doing your facial is aware that you're pregnant so they can yes. make sure that they are avoiding chemicals that might impact your pregnancy. Um, but I would not recommend any kind of peels and I would also not recommend any kind of microneedling or anything that's going to disrupt the integrity of your skin. Mm -hmm. This is your protective surface. It 
your skin absorbs things. And when you break down that layer by using uh, peels or microneedling, you're putting yourself at risk for loss of protein and nutrients, infection. infection. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. a big one. And mm -hmm. not only that, but absorbing things, you're, you just don't need at that time in your life. So, and again, they're, they're elective procedures. You know, I, I know when people have their, their routines and they want to try to maintain that and the thought of not doing it in pregnancy is not um, appealing. I get it, but these are elective procedures. They're not medically necessary. So you have enough to worry about in pregnancy that you don't want to add that extra stress on top of it for something that's elective. So we just need to hold off and just do the, the nice frou-frou, you know, the, like she described facials and then wait. Now let's get to the postpartum period. When postpartum, can we start resuming our microneedling, our, our face lasering, all that other stuff that we like, the chemical peels, all the things that we like to do? So as far as treatments that you can do postpartum, um, that does kind of open up the door, including if you're breastfeeding. There are still things that I would recommend avoiding. Um, even in the postpartum setting, I recommend avoiding chemicals, chemical peels, things that are going to add something to your skin that you may absorb systemically that might yeah. go through the breast milk. Now, if you want to arrange for a day or two of pumping and dumping, that's up to you. But it does open the door to some of the other things that we can do. So then we're opening the door to things like microdermabrasion, um, which is just roughly mm -hmm. removing the surface layer of the skin and allowing that healthier glowing skin underneath to come through. Microdermabrasion does become a, something that you could do in the postpartum period if you wanted to. And that helps to stimulate collagen and growth and deposition. Um, again, a lot of your nutrients are still going to breast milk. So if, if you're asking me, I would shy away from some of those things where you're really trying to put your energy into still sustaining another life, um, mm -hmm. particularly if you choose to breastfeed. But uh, otherwise, I think that they are things that the door then opens to, as well as some of the other types of treatments like radiofrequency skin tightening and lasers. Yeah. Yeah. Those things are a little bit safer in the postpartum period, but you are still going through large hormonal shifts. Yes. So if it were a solid recommendation or you were coming to me I, and you said, hey, will you do these things? I would say, hey, let's wait six months until <laughs> you're at least close to the end of breastfeeding. You're away from these hormonal shifts. Then we can really target those skin changes that happen during pregnancy, like hyperpigmentation and mm -hmm. acne scarring that may have occurred. Yeah, because uh, I know my skin, my face volume, it was so different from pregnancy to breastfeeding to when I was done breastfeeding. I look like yes. different people. And uh, it took me probably a good year or so to get what my what is what I would consider my normal face volume. And yes. I can imagine going through and doing any of that, of that during that time period, the outcome might not be the best outcome. And that might not be the outcome that you were expecting because you're still going through so many changes physiologically because of the breastfeeding, especially in the postpartum period, when your weight also fluctuates. Um, I know that I, because I was breastfeeding and for twins, that I was super skinny. I was at the lowest weight I had been since high school because I was working. I was a twin mom. I was breastfeeding and I was probably down to 115 pounds, which I wasn't that in, <laughs> since high school. Then once I stopped, I started feeling out, filling out again and started to get back to my baseline weight. So I can imagine if I started doing a bunch of stuff to my face, the outcome might not have been what I wanted with, the, with that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And yeah. again, when you're looking at long-term outcomes, yeah. best bang for your buck, yeah. the recommendation really six months after, let the hormones settle yes. and then let us really tackle the problems that still remain. A lot of those things that happen during pregnancy will have faded by then. And then yes. we're not investing 
your time and yes. efforts into treating something that was unnecessary. And money. And so, money. <laughs> so much. Yes. Yes. And totally money. Yeah. We, we want to get the best, best bang for our, our buck there. Okay. You already talked about that. Now we're going to get to through, uh, well, let's just knock this one out. Sunscreen and pregnancy. Then we're going to get okay. into skincare products. Sunscreen and pregnancy. Um, Obviously, you want to wear sunscreen in pregnancy. Uh, you want to wear sunscreen at any time. Do, but do the recommendations for what sunscreen to use change when you're pregnant? Um, so that's a good question. Mine don't. Uh, mm -hmm. But that's because I have a very strong preference on what type of sunscreens I recommend to my patients. Okay. Um, so there are two main types of sunscreen that people use. And the majority that you see at like Walmart, Target, Walgreens will be something called a chemical barrier or they are chemicals that we put on our skin. The UV rays hit them. There's a chemical reaction within mm -hmm. the skin and that dissipates the energy of the UV rays. Um, the FDA has recently come out with a statement saying these are safe. However, we may absorb more of these chemicals than we originally anticipated and we're looking into what that might mean for us. For me at baseline, I almost always recommend a barrier sunscreen. So a barrier sunscreen is like a flashback to the beach boy days where mm -hmm. everybody had the white stripe on the nose and they tend to contain things like zinc and titanium oxide. Mm -hmm. I recommend those baseline to all of my patients anyway. Um, you're just not getting the chemicals. They sit on your skin that you don't have to have the white stripe anymore. They, a lot of them come either so they still go on clear or they have a very neutral tint that's good for all skin yes. types and colors. Um, and I just think that they're safer. So you can purchase these types of things still at Walmart. There are brands and I tend to use exclusively barrier sunscreens on my children, on myself yeah, and 100% on, on pregnant patients or even people who have history of skin cancers. One of my favorites is um, by a company called Elta. And I'm yes, just going to show yeah. this. Um, this stuff is magic. You get it. It's one that you want to get at like a dermatology or a plastic mm -hmm. surgery office or even at a spa. Um, and this, they often will come with things that are still safe for pregnancy. Like this one comes with hyaluronic acid. This is a good one for aging. They have some with um, vitamin B in it, uh, nicot uh, nicotinamide that is good for those of us who are breaking out, which is great for when you are pregnant because it mm -hmm. is just a B vitamin. Um, but that's one of my favorite brands. I recommend that to yeah. a lot of my patients. And otherwise, um, there are brands at Walmart that are available. Just look at the back and make sure that the active ingredients are going to be the titanium oxide and the zinc. Perfect, perfect. So sunscreens, yes. Um, I mean, if you if, just wear whatever you can, but if you have the chance to pick one, um, go with what Dr. Meekum says. Um, there are other brands. I love Elta too. I, I use that. <laughs> Um, yeah. I, I, because all my derm plastic surgeon friends always recommend it. So that's what I use. Now it's, it is going to be more pricey than, um, what you would typically get at, you know, in the bottle or, or whatever we're typically used to using. But I will say, I don't think you need as much and I mm -hmm. don't feel that it's that much more expensive because it tends to last a little bit longer because you don't need to put it on as frequently in, in my experience. So, um, and again, yeah. I I've used, I use all, I use, um, the Elta MD on my face mm -hmm. and I use like B-A-R-E bear. And mm -hmm. that's when you can pick up at Walmart. I use that on my kids. The Elta MD, you really need less of the product because yes. it just spreads more nicely. Yeah, yeah, it's I just guess. a really well-made mm -hmm. care, skincare product. Perfect. So. Perfect. So that for sunscreens, I mean, throw in there real quick. Cause I just saw me, I wrote a little note, stretch marks. I, I'm going to say that now you can disagree with me. This is my two cents on stretch marks from what I researched. The amount of money that we spend to prevent stretch marks is a crime. 
because you go to these aisles and people are buying, you know, all these different types of stretch mark creams that are supposed to fix stretch marks, prevent them. And I, from what I've researched, there's really not a whole lot you can do. Stretch marks, if they're going to occur, they're going to occur. You could put 95 oils, lotions, you know, organic, non-organic, whatever on there. It's not going to change. A lot, of, a lot of it has to do with genetics. And yep. from what I understand, really the only thing that can really help stretch marks is really the laser type processes, right? Now, they might change in color. They tend to be a little bit darker and more, more pronounced when you're pregnant. And then over time, they can lighten up. But to physically remove them, is it right that the laser treatment has the best uh, outcomes? Laser treatment, abdominal plasty or tummy yeah. tuck. Um, there are some creams out there that have tretinoins that thicken the dermis. But you are correct. The reality is there are no uh, treatments to prevent stretch marks. So what can you do? Um, a, good, yeah, a good shea butter moisturizer mm -hmm. or just a very natural like coconut oil, mm -hmm. are, they're great. Um, also, uh, collagen supplements are considered safe during pregnancy and may help with a little bit of the elastin or the elasticity of the skin. Mm -hmm. That being said, you do need to avoid murine-based or oceanic-type-based um, collagen supplements and just go for the normal, like, over-the-counter collagen supplements available at Costco. Mm -hmm. But there, even that, it doesn't prevent the stretch marks. Mm -hmm. Most of those things just kind of help with the itching. Mm -hmm. They do start yeah. dark. They will lighten. And later on, you can do laser treatments, tummy tucks. Sometimes there are some... Uh, retinoid type creams that can help to thicken the deeper layers. Um, but though, none of those things are safe during pregnancy. Yeah. So stop wasting your money on all, <laughs> all that. The, yes. mean, it's, it's so much money. I, I just think about how many, when you walk into Target or Walgreens or CVS, how, I mean, aisles and aisles of products and it's not cheap and mm -hmm. it's not going to change anything. Just get you a good old shea butter. Are there, what was it? Uh, I like the Dr. Palmer's. I like the, I like their cocoa Love butter. Yeah, I like the I do Cause too. it smells good and it, it just seems, I don't know. It was kind yeah. of comforting to me and I did it just yep. to moisturize. I knew it wasn't going to help. I, if I got, was going to get stretch marks, I was going to get stretch marks. So don't waste your money on that. Buy something else, get something different. Okay. Now we're going to run through skincare. Now we're <laughs> going to talk about, uh, everybody wants to know, I'm going to go through the different products that ACOG talks about that is safe. And then you can add onto that or any other products that you like. So let's first talk about okay. topical benzoyl peroxide. ACOG says it's okay to use in pregnancy. What do you say? Absolutely. So um, you're, when you're going through these hormonal shifts, pretty much everybody is going to struggle with acne during pregnancy. Even if you didn't have it before, we get a glow and we get extra oil, right? They're kind of synonymous. And so um, there are, that is one of the products that I think is awesome. It's yeah. anti-inflammatory. It can be drying, so use it sparingly. Um, and particularly just treat the areas, you know, minimal use, just treat the areas that are giving you a hard time. Yes. Often that'll be your chin, around your nose and the forehead. Mm -hmm. And just pat it on to those areas that are causing problems. It's over the counter. It's super cheap. And it's actually very effective. And bacteria tend not to develop resistance to it. So it's one that stays effective for a long time. Yeah, I learned the hard way about benzoyl peroxide. I, I was just lathering it on. And then I got like really bad uh, irritation oh. in my eyes and the corners of my mouth. Yep. I was like, what the heck? It was, even though it's, it's not caustic, but it's just some people more sensitive. So just kind of go slow yes. to see how your skin reacts and stay away from here in the corners of your mouth. You know, just stay in those areas in that T-zone, your chin, and then I always got it right here, too. Um, is yeah. there a certain – does benzoyl peroxide come in different concentrations or percentage? Yes, yes. and if okay. you have not used it before, you want to start with the lower concentration. So there's a 2%, a 5%, and a 10% benzoyl peroxide. 
a 10% benzyl peroxide is only for spot treatment. So let's say you get that big, nasty guy that's just not responding to, you know, your normal face washing and he's deep. That would be the one time that you might consider using a 10% benzyl peroxide. Is that over, can you get that over the counter or is that prescription? You can, oh, you can, you can, but it will be just like, um, like a, a spot treatment and it will come in a little tiny tube and they're very expensive. Really the best thing to do is just get the lowest concentration, mm -hmm. particularly during pregnancy. Yeah. Less is always more with anything you do. Mm -hmm. So get that lowest concentration and just treat the areas that need to be treated. Mm -hmm. um, co most commonly you'll see a 5%. There are also the 2% available. Again, over the counter, five, 10 bucks, totally worth it. Okay, next one, azelaic acid. I'm using that right now, actually. That, Apoc <laughs> says that's safe, what say you? I think it's safe. It's great because it helps with fine lines and wrinkles. It also helps with some of the darker spots. Okay. So you get a little bit of a skin brightening with that one. It's a great product. Again, less is it more. for acne? Is it for acne too? It is for acne. All of these products help anything where you're doing a light. All of these things help to turn over skin, help yes, with okay. inflammation and cause that inflammatory response to kind of calm down, even though all of them also can be a bit drying. So use them sparingly, but azelaic acid is an awesome product. Love okay, it. Good, good, good. Okay. Uh, topical salicylic acid, ACOG says is safe. Now I know that comes in different concentrations, right? So which, yes. yeah, so t talk about that. Start low. A 2% is as much as you will ever need with salicylic acid. Just start low. This is um, a cousin to aspirin actually. So it's very uh, calming and soothing for skin. Great for a very light peel, good for blemishes and aging. Um, but yeah, you want to just stick with a low concentration on this. You can use it once a day at night. You can use it as a spot treatment. You can even get an over the counter body wash that helps with the back knee that you may develop. Mm -hmm. during I your got pregnancy. that so bad in pregnancy. I did. Yeah. Well, actually the I got it worse after amazing. I delivered. Yeah. I got worse after I delivered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. I was yeah, like, I, I just feel like I'm like a teenager, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just stick with the low concentrations, slow and steady. On, mm -hmm. on everything we talk about today. Okay. And then glycolic acid. So um, glycolic acid is one that's over the counter. It does come in different concentrations and it is very strong. It's a little bit stronger than salicylic acid. Salicylic acid is something that I would recommend to a teenager all the way up through mm -hmm. adulthood. Glycolic acid is a little bit of a heavier hitter and I love it. It's great for rejuvenating the skin. It helps cells to turn over. Um, but I would use that one a little more sparingly. And okay. uh, usually that's something that you would use at night uh, mm -hmm. and then wash off in the morning and put on a good moisturizer during the day. And over the counter, what, like, what, what, what kind of product would that be in? Do you know the names? Of, I don't know. I, I don't, you know, know I don't know any have. off the top of my head. Yeah, For glycolic either. acid, I use SkinCeuticals. They're um, oh, yes, yes. Okay. a L'Oreal mm -hmm. company. Yeah, yeah. And I love their products. I use a lot of my serums through that company and find mm -hmm. that they're very effective. But the mm -hmm. glycolic acid is, a, a, it's one that you would use in lieu of using like retinoids or uh, tretinoin, mm -hmm. meaning it does cause a little bit of peeling, dryness and cell turnover. So it's mm -hmm. a little bit more aggressive and I would recommend using that one sparingly. Okay, so the ones we just went through can be used in pregnancy and breastfeeding, okay? Um, two other things that I saw when I looked under the American Academy of Dermatology was were topical clindamycin, which is an antibiotic that would require mm -hmm. a prescription, and then also uh, cefadroxyl, which is an antibiotic. Um, but I would, have to, I would imagine it would have to be pretty bad to get the antibiotic, right? The yeah. topical clindamycin, maybe not. 
Um, but yeah. um, is that two things that are, are options as well? They are options. They are safe. They are something you would need a prescription for. Um, yeah. With topical clindamycin, um, that's one that I often will prescribe and then recommend the patient also uses the benzoyl peroxide. Oh, okay. The two of those things together are very, very effective and bacteria uh, tend not to develop resistance mm -hmm. to the clindamycin when you are also using the benzoyl peroxide. Mm -hmm. And in this era of overuse of antibiotics, mm -hmm. I like to use therapies that are not going to increase the amount of resistance in the yeah. community. Yeah. Okay. So what, uh, other than what we just mentioned, were there any, is there anything you recommend in pregnancy and, and or breastfeeding that you like? Yes. So there are a few other products that I love, love, love. Um, so I like to use a vitamin C serum. Uh, yes. Vitamin C is totally safe during pregnancy. It helps with skin rejuvenation. It's an antioxidant. It helps with fine lines and wrinkles. It brightens the skin. It can increase the amount of acne that you see when you start to use it. So use it carefully and sparingly to begin with. Um, but it is considered totally safe during pregnancy. It, it's moisturizing. It's a great product. Um, I, one of the types that I use is a ZO product. It is a serum that's kind of um, self-activating and it comes with a little bit of vitamin E in it. We are going to give one of those away yes. today. Do you have it with you? Show. Do you have it with your show? I don't have that product yeah. with me. I have um, one of the other things that I love, which is from the same company. So this is another product. This is a, a, a face scrub, has vitamins D, E, C, a little bit of vitamin A, which is um, different than tretinoin. It's okay to use topically. And then it has magnesium crystals in it to kind of scrub off that outer layer of dead mm -hmm. skin. This stuff is safe during pregnancy and it's magic. So we'll have a giveaway. One is the vitamin C serum. I don't okay. have it with me, but it comes with an LED compact light, which is super fun yeah, with a mirror in it. Um, and then we'll give away one of these little scrubs as well. And so, so yeah, so that'll come together. So if we, you're inter yeah. interested in, I'm going to give it away to somebody. I'm going to scroll through and pick a name. If you're interested in getting this little package, well, it, you need to be in the United States for shipping. And uh, Dr. Mecham and their office will ship, ship it to you. But just put in there... Uh, I'm interested and I'll go through and pick one of those names right before we end this discussion. Um, yeah. So I didn't mean to cut you off. Did you have anything else you want to add? Yeah. Um, so vitamin C, uh, the scrub, and then this is just an example of a, a skin suticles. Mm -hmm. This is a salicylic acid. This is one that I've been using for years and I mm -hmm. love it. It's safe during pregnancy. Same company makes it and also a very good vitamin C serum. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say that the ZO uh, serum specifically does not have additional additives in it. And so mm -hmm. it's one that I would probably during pregnancy elect to use over the SkinCeuticals, which also has ferulic acid, which mm -hmm. I have not vetted for pregnancy. Perfect. Okay. So those are, those are some yeah. of my favorite go-tos for okay. um, helping get that glow that we all want during pregnancy. Okay. So let's run through what not to use. And I had a little list here. I'm going to go through. This is what is per ACOG. The first is going to be any kind of hormonal therapy, any kind of medication that uses hormones to treat mm -hmm. acne. Uh, one of the things that has been used is spironolactone. We don't want to use that in pregnancy. The next is going to be isotretinoin. Any of the uh, forms are uh, uh, vitamin A, retin-A's, anything along those lines. What else would it be? So isotretinoin, vitam uh, vitamin A derivatives, uh, retin-A. What other forms are there? Is it called? What other names might it be? Um, there's adelapine is a cousin to that. There are a couple mm -hmm. of others. Um, just anything that has tretinoin, isotretinoin, retinols, or retinoids. Mm -hmm. um, adelapine, and there is another one that starts with a T whose name I cannot think of off mm -hmm. the top of my head. I can look it up. 
So anything um, that has any, read, written anything, you don't want to use anything. a pregnancy. Yeah, yeah. And then is it, you said adep, is it the adepaline gel? Adepaline gel. And, and then the other thing. What, what is an adepaline? It's a cousin. It's a derivative to oh, okay. the retinoids. It used to be prescription only. It is available over the counter yes, now. Yes, it is. It is. Um, and is so that, use is that. Different gel. Different gel. It is, is different that... gel. Okay. All right. That's All right. Correct. Okay. And I would just avoid it. Okay. Avoid it. Okay. What else? Anything else? Uh, oral uh, tetracyclines, antibiotics, obviously avoid. Um, and then the topical retinoids, uh, avoid it. again. R e t i n. Anything like that? Avoid. Uh, what yes. else would you add to avoid? Um, I had a, a whole list. Uh, there are a couple of other things. Anything, again, that's going to disrupt the outer layer of the skin. Um, anything with phenoxy. You don't want anything that's going to be peeling. You don't want anything that your system might absorb. And then really, I would just stick to gentle facial cleansers. You don't want to be over drying your skin or um, changing that um, skin balance during mm -hmm. pregnancy because that will increase your risk of breakouts, which make it harder to mm -hmm. treat. Um, mm -hmm. And then the only other thing that I would say is if you are worried about vitamin A, it is helpful for wound healing. Get it in its natural forms. You mm -hmm. can eat carrots. You can drink carrot juice. You mm -hmm. can eat mangoes. Mm -hmm. Those forms are safe because your body will store excess as beta carotene. You know you're getting too much if you start to turn orange. So <laughs> just so you know. Yeah. Um, but it's not harmful to you or a pregnancy. And that's the only form vitamin A besides what you get in your uh, prenatal vitamin mm -hmm. that you should be taking during pregnancy. Yes. yes, agreed. Okay. And then also, we know when some people get uh, bad melasma or their skin starts getting those splotches and, you know, was it, is it hydroxyquinone can be used for those? Uh, uh, is, is that what it is? Uh, yes, or, it is. Is it not hydroxyquinone? Is it hydro it's uh, hydroquinone. Hydroquinone, yeah. sorry. Hydroquinone. hydroquinone. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what happens though, I, I don't know that I, I wouldn't recommend it for one reason mm -hmm. mainly is because you shouldn't do it. But also you get those big blotchy spots, spot, you know, you're trying to catch up with it and it's really not going to change. And what probably will change it the most is after you deliver and, and that yeah. time period after your skin will get better. So don't chase it while you're pregnant. I know it's annoying and I know people hate the way it looks. But it's really not going to do much, and you shouldn't be using that anyway for the, those dark spots that you get in pregnancy. Okay. And again, that's not one that's approved for pregnancy. Right. If you're worried about melasma and dark spots, number one, wear hat, wear sunscreen. Yes. Number two, your best bet during pregnancy is azelaic acid. Yeah. That can help yes. to brighten and soften those dark spots. And then just give yourself six months to a year after pregnancy. Those things will fade, and if not, that's when we start talking about using lasers to help mm -hmm. even skin tone, mm -hmm. peels to help brighten. That's the time that we really get into resetting the skin after a pregnancy. Good. Uh, okay, we're going to answer questions. Laser hair removal. Mm -hmm. Yes, no. Yeah. So, no, again, it's an energy device. And on top of that, you're going to have, with the increased circulating hormones, your hair may come in thicker, darker, mm -hmm. um, and harder to manage during pregnancy. But that means after pregnancy, it will go back to normal. So mm -hmm. don't waste your time and money. Just stick with shaving. Don't do anything that's going to burn, irritate your skin. Don't use chemicals to remove hair. Yeah. And what about in the postpartum period? Is there a certain time you should wait after delivery before you do the laser hair removal? Again, while you're still breastfeeding, you're going to have those circulating yeah. hormones. Mm -hmm. um, if you're really anxious about it, you could start about six months afterwards. You will most likely not be getting the best bang for your buck. Yeah, 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 Try agree. to wait till you're done with breastfeeding mm -hmm. and, yeah. and really make your dollars work for you. Right. 
We already talked about safe acne treatments. Let's see what we got here. And most of the questions are going to be done. Oh, we already talked about stop the services. We said three months before trying to conceive. If you already had fillers before pregnancy, we already talked about that. If you had totally got safe. pregnant and you, weren't plan you know, you, and you weren't planning it, there's not anything you can do. Don't stress out about it. Just let your doc know, but don't get any more. Okay. We already talked about microneedling in pregnancy. The answer is no. What about breast reduction? I had a very low supply and was told I might not be able to breastfeed. So what if someone had so, a breast reduction before pregnancy and then they got pregnant? So there are different ways to do breast reductions. Um, some of those increase the risk of not being able to breastfeed more than others. I would say that um, if you've had a breast reduction, give it a try. I, they, they think that for some types of breast reductions, your ability to breastfeed will be the same as the general public. And even if you're able to breastfeed a little bit and you're having to supplement, you still get that bond, you still get that nutrition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. you know, that is best, so. Okay, perfect peel, I don't know what that is. And third trimester retinoids. If it says retinoids, eh, <laughs> no. Yeah, but what, do no. you know what the perfect peel is? What is, what is that? I, I don't know. I no know one. that uh, Zio has a really great three-step peel, and it is a retinoid-based mm -hmm. peel. That may be what they're referring to, but um, some of those um, brand names, you know, they're just yeah. very product-specific. So, mm -hmm. yeah, we're no retinoids of any type. No R E T I N anything, and it also includes a Depilene gel uh, or yep. Differin gel is the the two different names because um, it's a retinoid derivative. Don't use those in pregnancy. Uh, I agree. Name okay. Name of dermis thickening creams, please. Yeah, so what are those? those would be anything that's a retinoid. So Strivectin has a dermis thickening cream. It's the same thing as using isotretinoin or isotretinoin on your face or retinol, like mm -hmm. uh, tretinoin, um, retin A. Any of those things. What that does is it causes the dermis to thicken, which is how you um, have a long-term impact in both the quality and the thickness of your skin. And mm -hmm. that can be used on any part of the body. The reality is where those stretch marks occur, the dermis is actually stretched and split. So although it may help a little bit to improve the stretch marks, the reality is there is not a lot of dermis below the stretch marks at that point. And so really lasers or a tummy tuck are gonna be your best bet. But mm -hmm. Strivectin I know had one that you could get at Costco at one point. Mm -hmm. um, and there are cousins to that that may be available. Okay, I I am uh, going to pick bo Bossy Pants Caroline to receive the goodies from Dr. Meekum in our office. Um, okay. So what you need to do is uh, private RD direct message me, and I'll get you in contact so they can ship it to you. Bossy Pants Caroline. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to screenshot this in case so I can. Okay, Bossy Pants Caroline. Um, we have a few more. We're out of questions. We have a few more uh, minutes, but there was something I was going. Okay, so. People talk about a mommy makeover and yeah. what is a mommy makeover? <laughs> what does it usually include? Or is it kind of like you, you a de, uh, build it yourself poke bowl. You kind of put in what you want. How, how, what is a mommy makeover? <laughs> <laughs> That's a, a pretty good description actually. Yeah. yeah. It's a little bit more build it yourself. Yeah. So a mommy makeover is tailored to what you need as an individual. So during pregnancy, our breast stretch, our, um, volume increases, our bellies stretch out, you can get uh, something called diastasis recti. Mm -hmm. um, and so there are a lot of different things that women want or desire to kind of restore how they felt about themselves prior to pregnancy. Um, sometimes it's as simple as pulling a little bit of extra skin from above your C-section scar and putting in some implants. And I do that a lot. 
Um, but sometimes it's much more involved. Sometimes you need your muscles repaired. Yeah. Um, diastasis recti is when your ab muscles that are normally lined up side by side like this get stretched and they don't go back unless you do surgery to correct that. So you get a weakness in the front of the abdomen with a bulge and those have to be sewn back together to fix that. So in that setting, you need a tummy tuck and it's not covered by insurance, unfortunately. I've, I've argued because I do think there are medical benefits no. to putting those muscles back where yeah. they go. Um, but so far we haven't had a lot of success. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump, to... in for, jump in real quick. I don't mean to interrupt you. The diastasis yeah. recti, I'm glad you brought that up. So yeah. let's talk about diastasis recti. From a pregnancy perspective, some people get it uh, worse than others. You tend to have it worse with the subsequent pregnancies, especially if you don't recover or get your muscles back in shape in between pregnancies. Yeah. Or, you know, what I've seen is that people that are athletic to begin with or have good, strong uh, abdominal muscles, they tend to not develop diastasis as badly. They still can get it, but they tend to bounce back better. But it can still occur with subsequent pregnancies. I've mm -hmm. also heard that people think that because they've had a cesarean section and we have to separate those muscles, that um, that's what's causing the diastasis. In reality, it's the pregnancy that's causing it. And what you, you have to be careful as an obstetrician when we go back and yes, we have to separate the muscles to get the baby out and do the surgery, but also putting them back together at the time of a C-section is not ideal either because you could tear those apart or cause those stitches to tear it because of the healing and getting up and moving around and taking care of a baby. So I don't want people to think that we're causing diastasis recti. It's really pregnancy, part of your genetics, how good your uh, core muscles were to begin with. Um, and then sometimes it's, it just, it happens. Not everybody gets it. There are muscles, there are exercises you can do uh, in the postpartum mm -hmm. period and before your next pregnancy to get your core as in best shape as possible before that next pregnancy. But for those that it doesn't and you still have a problematic di diastasis, that's where Dr. Meekham comes in. But ideally also, you don't want to have that done until you're done with childbearing, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing is, you know, if, there, if your uh, obstetrician is going in and doing a C-section and again, they're sewing those muscles back together, our bodies do not stretch evenly during pregnancy. Yeah. And I, I know this is hard to understand because you look round, but it's, it's akin to carrying a baby on one hip mm -hmm. for several years. You just don't have the same level of strength on both sides. Mm -hmm. So as they go through and they put everything back together as symmetrically as they can and your body retracts, you then have sutures holding your body yeah. in Places a specific position. Yes. Exactly. It meant to be. And, I, and I'm very, very hesitant. There's only a handful of situations where I'll do it. And I, I won't go into it there, but I don't do it for those reasons because even though it looks like normal to me, because everything's so stretched out in two weeks, you might feel a pull there and it might hurt more. Yes. So please, yes. I, I don't want people to think that we're causing this because we're doing C-sections. It's already done before you have that C-section, if you've had the diastasis um, and yes. you don't necessarily want to try to fix it because even if we tried to fix it, it may not work. And it actually might make things worse, worse for you if we did it at the yes. time of a C-section. So you have to consider that as well. But what you can do is try to do some PT in between pregnancies, do some, you know, somebody that can really help build your core. I always recommend that mm -hmm. before the next pregnancy. And even then, you know, once you're done with childbearing, if you're still having issues with the diastasis, then you might need surgical intervention uh, with someone like yes. Dr. Meekham to get that back. And how, does, how do you do that? What, what exactly do you do when you go into repair a diastasis? So, um, again, I'm the same way I recommend physical therapists and there are physical therapists who specialize yes. in helping yeah. you strengthen the core. Yeah. 
find them yep. so that you can be as fit and healthy as you can. Even if you still need a surgery, you're yes. at a better starting place. Yes, yes. So mm -hmm. what we have to do is we, when we're doing a tummy tuck, it's not just taking off the skin from the bottom of the belly. We have mm -hmm. to elevate it all the way up to the rib cage. Yes. That exposes the length of yes. your ab muscles. And okay. then I physically have to sew them back together. Okay. My technique is that I use permanent sutures and that doesn't run the whole way I do um, individual knots all the way down yes. for figure of eights, which that would make sense to you. Yeah. And then I run an absorbable suture over the top so that there is a layer of um, suture protecting those permanent sutures that are deep. Mm -hmm. So you're at lower risk for infection. So I do um, individual uh, deeper permanent sutures to bring those muscles back together. And then I reinforce them and protect them from infection with a second layer of a running absorbable suture. So at first it feels very firm and then yeah. it softens up over time yes, and you yes. feel great. Yes, yes. But it and does again, require physically go, go. sewing them together. Yeah, so. it does. And, and please don't do that. Uh, I mean, look, the implant pregnancy, right? I get it. But make sure you try to do it when you're done uh, with childbearing because you don't want that to interfere with the pregnancy and, and it, that could definitely cause potential issues if you've had that repaired and then got pregnant. Yes. Okay, I think that's it. This is so fun. I love talking about stuff like this because no one ever does. We need to do this again. I mean, they, they don't. I mean, I'm on social media all the time and I, I get these questions and honestly, things change so much in your field, especially when it comes to skincare and skin products and what's recommended or what's not. And the problem is this. We can't study this in pregnancy. We can't. We have to go based on what we know is in those products and I know people want to bend the rules a little bit, but the fact remains is that there are options there that are safe. It may not be the one you like, but you just need to wait till you're done. Wait till you're pre yes. not pregnant anymore. You know, uh, be patient for all these procedures you're wanting done because, again, they're elective and they're not medically necessary. We got to get our body in the shape that it needs to be because you want the best outcome for whatever you're doing and the money you're paying for it, right? So those are yes. two good reasons. <laughs> To, to wait until you're at the ideal time to have these done um, after you deliver. Yes, and the other, there are two other reasons that I would say. Yes. One is you will rebound more than you think most of the time. Yes, yes. Um, and the other thing is, you, you know, post-pregnancy is a very emotional time, yes. not yes. just because of the <laughs> physical changes. You want to give yourself some time to heal and give yourself some grace. And it may be that you feel better about yourself than you think you will. Yeah. So avoid exactly. unnecessary procedures, love yourself. Mm -hmm. And then the things that are just not getting better, that's when we want to talk. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So give yourself that time. Yeah. I remember when I was pregnant, I got those um, um, little, uh, I forget what the, there's a name for it, but they were all over my face, my chest, my mangiomas, mangiomas, get... and they would bleed. I mean, I yes. had them everywhere and they yep. were so uncomfortable because my, if I, um, it's it rubbed it would bleed I, I mean it wasn't hemorrhaging but it was yeah. bleeding I went to go get them lasered by a friend it just it didn't help they were bad <laughs> I mean I, I did it because I was like well maybe it'll kind of curb them a little bit I know it, I was like okay yeah. there's no reason to do that again I tried it I didn't do a whole lot but I tried it and I was yeah. like okay it was totally not worth it <laughs> but I yeah. You know, totally you're agree. The pregnant body sometimes is not very forgiving. It's like, you know what? I'm running the show here. You can do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. So, all right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Have a great day. And it was great to see you. And we'll do another we'll, we'll do a part two. Keep a list of anything okay. cool that you want to talk about. Okay. I will. Right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. All right. See ya. Bye bye.
I hope you enjoyed that discussion. Now listen to the next episode on fertility and pregnancy after age 35 with a reproductive endocrinology and infertility specialist.